Holy Gospel is written in the 24th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke, beginning at the 44th verse. Jesus said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures and said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And ye are witnesses to these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of God. Amen. Well, good afternoon to you all. I'm the Reverend Dr. Graham Sinjin Willie, and I'm the Chaplain General of the Knights Templars, and uh, we're all here to be with you this afternoon. First of all, I want to thank the Reverend Jonathan Evans and the church wardens of the church here for inviting us to take part in this uh, midweek Eucharist and afterwards at an investiture of one of our new nights in the order. For 200 years, the Templars played a vital role in the military, political, economic and spiritual life of Western Europe and the Middle East. The order was founded in Jerusalem in 1118 to protect pilgrims who were visiting the holy places. They're best known, of course, for their role in the Crusades. Less known, for example, is that Amaric, Brother Amaric, the master of the Knights Templars at that time, was crucial in the negotiations which produced Magna Carta 800 years ago last year. We produced a medal, which you'll see some of my colleagues wearing, to commemorate that event. Princess Anne accepted one from us. We also issued a medallion, and I'm going to give Jonathan one afterwards. But some of you may ask, but what about today? Wasn't the order abolished in the 14th century on charges of heresy and other dreadful things? Well, until a few years ago, to be exact, 2004, that would have been a reasonable comment. The background was that King Philip IV of France was greatly indebted to the Templars in the early years of the 14th century, and he hatched a plan to discredit the Knights by accusing them of heresy and other things. In secret, he had all the Knights in France arrested on Friday the 13th of October, 1307, 
And of course, that's where we get the idea of Friday the 13th being unlucky. Well, it certainly was unlucky for the Templars. Many of them died. Some just disappeared. Many confessed to their crimes after dreadful torture. Today, such evidence would not be allowed. The Pope at that time, Clement V, established an inquiry into these accusations, but he failed to publish the results. And he failed to make his absolution public until after the king had done his worst. However, even then, the Grand Master of the Order Jacques de Molay was burnt to death in Paris on the 18th of March, 1314. Unfortunately, the Pope's absolution document was mislabeled and misplaced in the labyrinthine files at the Vatican's secret archives. Until a young woman, Barbara Frail, an Italian researcher in the archives from the School of Paleontology, found the document and recognized its significance. She published that in 2004. That's hundreds of years afterwards. The Vatican issued its own edition in 2007. They cost 8,000 pounds apiece. I haven't got one. Pope Benedict the 16th received the unnumbered copy, the 800th copy. There was one for sale on eBay last week. It was uh, £41,000. But somehow the Templars survived. But it's an unoptimistic message that hard work and sacrifice can sometimes be rewarded with libel, persecution and death. The Hillsborough disaster is a recent example of that. Those who survived and the families of the 96 who fought for 27 years to establish the truth. Their faithfulness has triumphed. And we learn that though truth can be fragile, its shelf life is eternal. And so it is with the Templars. Now we heard in the reading that the disciples were told that Jesus would return again. And meanwhile, they were to be his witnesses. I'm sure all of you are Academics here and you all know that the Greek word for witness is this. The Greek scholars will need a, uh, an individual translation of the letters. And from it we of course get the word martyr. It seems that Jesus wasn't suggesting that being a witness to his truth would be easy it might bring persecution and even martyrdom. Jesus told them that they were to wait in the city until they received power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit, who would enable them to fulfill the Great Commission, to go and make disciples of all nations. They obeyed and were soon out baptizing people, preaching and teaching the gospel, of repentance, forgiveness of sins, in Jesus' name and the gift of eternal life which is available for all of us. The proof of their success in that venture is here. We are the evidence. The disciples obeyed and we are the result of that power from on high. 
Obedience is the key to success. And shortly, we shall obey another of Jesus' commands here on the altar to do this in remembrance of him. There's another thing that Jesus asks us to do. Put simply, it's a direct and committed response to his prayer, which we can read in John 17. He prayed to the Father that all may be one, even as he and the Father are one. So we, together with the aid of the Holy Spirit, should work together and worship together and in this way demonstrate our Christian unity. It's my firm belief that in today's increasingly secular world, we Christians have got to put in more effort into getting together with other Christians from other denominations, other traditions, and worshipping God together. We have here knights and dames of the order from all sorts of denominations and traditions, so at least we're trying to do it. I want to encourage you to do the same. All Christians should obey Jesus, so we should preach the gospel, teach the gospel, baptize people and celebrate Holy Communion, and worship and work together, ecumenically, as one with each other, and at one with Jesus. Then, when he returns in glory, in fulfillment of the Ascension Day promise that we heard about, we should be ready if we've done all of that.